today's episode on the Science and Spirituality podcast, we interviewed Heather Ivany, who is a renowned spiritual mentor and Akashic guide with over 20 years of experience leading innovative courses, private trainings, immersive retreats, and more. She harnesses a radiant warmth and decades-long immersion in spirituality as she facilitates life-altering transformation and growth for those who seek guidance or feel resistance aligning with their purpose. With the gentle wisdom and compassion of one who understands the nuances of spiritual practice, she opens students to the joy of exploring the deep and mysterious inner landscape of their heart, mind, and body. So it was really a fascinating conversation, especially when we got into the Akashic Records. Uh, it's something we actually have not talked about at all yet on this podcast, and we briefly touched on it, but her, uh, her wisdom is pretty interesting in a good way. Yeah. And she was, she was really good at explaining like topics too. Like I, 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 when you're listening to this episode, like, you know, cause we, I, I particularly asked her a few questions myself, like very like pointed questions. And she was really, really uh, good at answering them. Like from like a, you can tell she has like a deep wisdom about her topics and that she's helped a lot of people. Um, so I really appreciated that from her. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think uh, an interesting thing we got into that if you have listened to many episodes on our podcast, you'll, I, I think you'll honestly hear a similar ring to what Heather teaches and what she talks about to many things we've covered, but we, we really in this topic of balancing polarities within our being and our becoming talked about like how there are people in the world that actually just want to stay in the comfort zone. And that's actually okay, which is fascinating. Um, it's not always about growth, but I think anyone who's listening to this podcast wants to grow. And so how do you balance that feeling for comfort with then that part of you that wants growth or how to become the version of yourself, you know, you're here to become. That one's a really interesting topic we got into, which then we dove into the Akashic records because of that. So, yeah. And I think one of the, the key things that I not, not thinking about it, that, that I took away from that as well was that, that there's always like those two parts of you, like one part that wants to stay the same and one part that one part that wants to grow. And she made a really good point that we've made on this podcast many times that that part of us that doesn't want to grow and wants to stay where it is, is, is attempting to keep us safe. And it's not something to demonize. Yeah. It's actually something that we can work with. And so that I thought was a really good point. Cause I feel like a lot of people who are stuck in that space, like demonize that part of themselves and like, Oh, I'm never going to change. But the way that she put it in the way that she explained it, it's like, you can use that part of you and become friends with it. And like, notice when you're being stuck in that for too long to help you move into the part of you that wants to grow. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's a great conversation, really rich in insight. So enjoy. Welcome to the Science and Spirituality Podcast, where we dive deep into universal spiritual principles and ground them in modern science. My name is Chris Carton. And my name is Kevin Carton. And we are committed to simplifying the spiritual side of success for you with easy to understand scientific research so you can walk away with practical tools to create radical transformations in your life. Let's get started. Welcome to the Science and Spirituality Podcast, and we have an amazing guest. Her name is Heather Ivany. So welcome to the podcast, Heather. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here with you both. Yes, we're looking forward to this conversation. And so as we always begin with any guest, we'd love to hear about your story of how you got to be a spiritual mentor, mentor at Akashic Guide, especially in your bio, it says 20 years of experience. That, I'm thinking back like 20 years ago, what was that? Either the early or the late nineteen or nineteen nineties, like or the no early two thousands. Yeah, point, what yeah. am I doing? <laughs> but but still, like that. That's um. I think it's more like a spiritual mentor is like I say more in the last like five ten years that people are aware of or more well known. But so I'd love to hear your story about how you even got into all this and just your experience this past twenty years. Yeah, um, it, it always unfolds differently each time that, that we share our story, hey? So it's neat to have the same question come up more than once. Um, mm. So uh, yeah, so my my like sort of coming into um, this incarnation, I've, I've had sort of a hunger to be connected spiritually. And I guess when I was younger, it was um, guided to me just through religion and Christianity and I remember at a very early age sort of seeing um, the hat on hat off with that um, upbringing. So what I mean by that is like everyone presenting in a certain way when they're in 
the service of mass and then we head out to the parking lot and it's it's kind of like people take the church hat off and they put on their their other hat and I just really saw that contrast and I I knew that there must be more than than just this one hour session of spirituality so in my teens uh, when I went away for university, I struggled a little bit um, with all the, the the pressure of being away from home and then also being in university. So I started meditating to help support that. And in my early 20s, um, that's when I was really pulled and called um, to uh, yoga teacher training. And at the time that I took my yoga teacher training, um, it was just on the cusp before these were on sort of every second block next to 7-Eleven kind of thing. So uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't totally out there yet, and uh, I came to it having never actually taken a formal yoga class before. I was self-taught out of a book. Uh, I used to work forest firefighting, and so there's a lot of hours just waiting for a smoke. And uh, I just taught myself out of a book. And then when I first stepped into a studio was when I first entered into my teacher training. So it was a bit of a different experience for me um, coming in. And so that unfolded for probably 15 years, just, just curating and developing myself as a yoga teacher. During that time, I, I married and had three children. So there's um, a finite amount of time that I could dedicate to, to this vocation. And I would say like all along the, the time, um, I live in a small town and there's been sort of a, a feeling of having a mentor uh, relationship with the clients that would come to class but I never formally called myself um, a spiritual mentor I, I think those shoes felt too big for a long time and then about five years ago is when I got introduced to the Akashic Records and once I worked with that um, modality it was very clear to me to just really fully step into that role of um, the deeper teacher in the mentorship role and uh, I've been working in that field ever since. So I, I work with people in, in three month containers or longer, either helping them connect to their incarnated purpose in this lifetime, teaching them how to read the Akashic records, because I feel there's still a pretentiousness with spirituality and sort of a, you're either born with it or you're not. So I like mm -hmm. to sort of demystify that myth a bit. And then the third realm that I love to um, most recently support people in is how to grow and expand your business from the field of consciousness, rather than just focusing so much on, you know, lead magnets and clicks and funnels. So, right. Yeah. Beautiful. Sounds like quite a, quite the journey and actually yeah. Heather, you and I have a similar background in terms of yoga, me, not as so much as, as a long as a teacher, but when I got tra trained, I got my RYT 200, but, um, before I stepped into a studio for that, I'd never taken an in-person class. I was, I, I got interested in yoga through like a workout program called P90X. And so when I actually finally got to going through like a yoga teacher training, it was completely different than I ever thought it would be, but it helped open me up to more spiritual understandings and just and not only about the world, but myself in first and foremost. And uh, it really changed my life. And I taught for two to three years in New York. But after that, then felt like my my real calling was to be a, a transformational life coach. But that's fascinating. And I, I so I'm familiar with that of just like the journey of that, of like your interest, like spark with yoga and just how amazing it could be in terms of a transformational process. Yeah. And there's something I think really beautiful when you can go into that experience um, completely new like there's no impressions yeah. that you have and there's no undoing of certain things that that you've learned it's just a very like what a beautiful way to present yourself to a teacher like i know nothing fill my yep. vessel right it's right it's, mm -hmm. that's awesome uh, what, what i also liked about your story too is um it's a great example of like following your curiosity and like just things that you were passionate about and it led to like a full-blown career I feel like a lot of people, especially when they're starting out, I think more people are starting to do that now, but a lot of people will just do something that they feel like they might be good at, or maybe do something that they feel like might be stable for like a, a job in the future. But, you know, it's kind of cool to see people's stories when they follow their curiosity and passion and how it ends up unfolding and, and working out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and it's, it's a neat way. Like someone asked me um, a few weeks ago, they're like, so, so do you feel like now you've arrived and now you're living on purpose? And I was like, no, I feel like I've always 
been doing that. And, and if I was to dive into the Akashic records at age 23, I wouldn't have been ready for it. So it's mm. like you, you're as, as we grow and, and evolve and expand our, our purpose grows and expands with us. And I think sometimes we get locked into thinking that our purpose is the static um, impression that once we arrive at it, it doesn't, it's, it's no longer malleable or it's, it's no longer adjusting to how we're growing and expanding. So it's neat to sort of look at when you're playing with your purpose, you're always playing with it and it will continue to show you the next way that you're being invited to step in and, and put on some bigger shoes and grow and expand into that next container, if you will. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I often, I do, I work with my clients and helping them discover and live their purpose too. And I like, I love the analogy of it, like being an unfolding flower or just it continues to bloom as you give it space and actually lean in. There's more of an unfolding and just that you learn more as you grow. And like you said, it's like you, as you become more then your purpose becomes sometimes different in many ways. It's not always the same. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the the symbolism of the unfolding flower. One of the things that um, I've really been trying to sort of remove from my vocabulary is that I'm, I'm doing work and this is the next way that I'm being worked. And for me, that's such a hard edging, fatiguing way of approaching your relationship with consciousness. Whereas using your example of an unfolding flower, it's like, how am I being asked to unfold next? What's the next invitation that's being presented to me? And it just, it, it allows it to be a continuum yeah. and it creates this relationship of um, a forever process rather than I find when we equate it to work, it's, it, we're trying to arrive somewhere. Right. And so it's constantly like that dangling carrot that's just out of our reach because we never seem to arrive. There's always more work to do, more work to do. And it's, I love the way that you just presented that in that unfolding flower way. Mm. Yeah. Thanks. But yeah, you're right. It, on the other end, it could be exhausting even. Yeah. It can seem like it is an exhausting process, but that's literally just a paradigm that, or the, the lens that you're looking at this process through, which then becomes really difficult versus it being a really fun and actually in energizing and an, an invigorating kind of way of living. Yeah. Yeah. And curiosity, as you mentioned, Chris, like keeping yourself curious along the way um, invites this like opportunity to be presented rather than um, a problem that needs to be fixed. Right. I guess this is maybe a question for both of you. Nick, I've never asked you a question on the podcast, I don't think, but like when you're, when you're working with clients, do you find that it, it is hard for people to maintain, like maintain that level of openness to further unfolding of their vision? Or it's like, once they reach a certain point, they get kind of ingrained in like, this is who I am. And this is, you know, what I'm put here for. And it kind of becomes static. Cause I feel like a lot of people, that happens to a lot of people, regardless of if they're doing what they love or not, that tendency as humans to want that comfort and safety. So I don't know if, if you encounter that a lot with your clients and, and what you guys can do, or if someone's listening and they're like, yeah, that sounds like me. Like what kind of tips you can give someone to like help them through that? Yeah. Do you want to go first, Kevin, or? I'd love to hear from you. Heather. Yeah. Um, so there's a few really um, neat ways that you're that you're presenting this. So when I first when I meet with someone, I have what I call a clarity call. So this is a conversation for us to both get clear on what this individual's next steps are. And in that process of having that conversation, what I'm what I'm leaning into to the best of my ability is trying to find the part of that person that wants to grow and expand. So I refer to this as the becoming, and hold that frequency for the majority of the conversation that we're having. Because what I find, Chris, is that the majority of people are so, um, when we're sitting in the part of us that's comfortable and feels safe, this is also the part of us that isn't wanting to grow and expand. I call this also the ego, the resistance or the subconscious mind. So if I am going to work with someone, I make it very clear, like when we meet on a weekly basis, your noise gets to be here. It's it's a part of who you are. It's going to be in the room, absolutely. And I'm speaking to the part of you that wants to grow because I can't actually win an argument with the part of you that wants to stay the same. I never will. It has so many excuses, so many reasons, and it's just a, a constant rabbit hole if we go down there. 
So let it be in the room, let it be in the space and also allow yourself to align with the part of you that wants to grow, that wants to expand. And what we start to create is what um, I refer to as a vibrational consistency of trying to create an imprint or a feeling or an understanding of what it feels like to be in the version of me that wants to grow and expand higher self, if you will. And then in our time apart, how can you monitor that and regulate that throughout your day so that when you catch yourself in the part of you that wants to be safe, you can choose in that moment to either adjust and move into the higher vibration of that consistent vibration that you're trying to create for yourself. And it's also very valid at times to be in the part of us that wants to stay safe because this is where the nervous system gets to rest. This is where like when I come into moments in a month or, or in a week where I want to quote unquote check out, I see this more as a resting phase. I've been in the space of the unknown for so long that as lovely as it is, it's also very exhausting to the nervous system because it's constantly taking in so much information in order to keep this finite body safe. So when I find that I want to check out with a book or listen to some music, whatever it is that I'm doing to check out, this is actually honoring my nervous system and giving it opportunity to rest and go into its knowns so that it can have a full recalibration. And all I'm doing is monitoring that fine line between rest and then playing small and being able to see if I can notice the difference between the two. And when I sit in that rest too long, then that's me like disconnecting or um, not wanting to level up or, or, or wanting to stay small. So I'm just, I'm just playing that line. And, and I think people mm. get really um, a lot of relief in knowing that both choices are valid and you have choice. Yeah, I was literally going to say that's what I um, was the, the very end of that because it doesn't sound like you're demonizing any side of it, which is really helpful for people because I think a lot of people when they're when they are feeling stuck in a certain situation, they tend to demonize that part of them that's like wants to keep them there. And Kev, we've talked about a lot in this podcast too that like it's not bad that you're feeling that way. It's like your nervous system is trying to keep you safe, so it's like honoring that part of you. And I think the way that you explained it was beautiful. Um, I do have a follow up question. Um, how do you know when you're staying too much in the comfort? Like, is there a signal that you kind of read from your body or is that to each his own? Or like, how do you, if you're working with a client, like how do you help them notice when they're spending too much time in one side? A couple signals for me is like when I start to, when it starts to feel mundane and empty rather than feeling restful, that would be like a, like a, like a, a sensory signal that I would notice. Um, when I can catch myself being in that ruminating thought pattern in my mindset, that's convincing me that, um, that I need to stay here, that, that I'm not ready, that I, that I can't do the thing that I'm trying to do. So, so that critical inner, inner critic, if that's starting to get really loud, that's a good indication that I need to mix it up a little bit and step out and shake it up. Sometimes it's actually physical activity, right? So sometimes um, my body needs like a cathartic release of what is like no longer needed so that what it is that I'm bringing in can settle more deeply into my cellular matrix a little bit. So sometimes it's, it's a hard run and sometimes it's a soft, gentle yoga practice. Just depends on, on what that is. Um, some other ways of knowing this is also where, when I'm working with clients, like, like if we're working together to create, say a meditation practice, this is also what I explained to them. This is the, the why of the meditation is so that you can actually get to know yourself a little bit better. So you can tell these subtle nuances, these differences within you when you're trying to navigate how to direct yourself. But if we don't, take the time to get to know ourselves, then we're going external for, for the teacher to be like, should I be in action or should I not be in action in this moment? And that's where um, the, the we become very disempowered. So part of that process of knowing how to read those nuances is like, how much time are you spending getting to know yourself so that you can be your own um, decider as to whether or not you, you're playing small or resting? 
that was awesome. Answered my question. Yeah. Good, good. Um, yeah, Kev, did you have anything to add from the? Did you have anything to add from the original question that we let Heather answer first? There. Could you remind me of the question? Because I was super uh, tuned into what Heather was saying. It was powerful. Yeah, no, no, that um, that that was great. Um, what was the question? It was um, how do you support your clients with staying in their higher self? Yeah, and I was again, I was so tuned into your answer because I, I was, I was like the way that you explained it was beautifully said. And Kevin, it kind of reminds me a lot of what you do with coaching too, mm -hmm. and like what we've learned from our mentor Mary. Like it just it's said in a different way, and so it was like beautifully right. put together. But yeah, my the only thing I would add then is um. Because I think the the way you presented the question was, well, if someone is feeling stuck or in the comfort zone and like just feeling like they're so like normal there, like how do you help them out? Uh, it depends on the person, but this can be very, very useful or powerful. But again, it depends on the person and where they're at. And if I feel like it's guided to say it in this way, and if someone would respond in this way, because it could actually be triggering. But um to certain clients, I would say, and this is just an addition because everything that Heather shared is like definitely how I work with it too. Um, but I might honestly call someone out in a way of, well, you have an opportunity, like it goes, goes back to the last thing you said, Heather, of like you have a choice, but letting someone know is like, you have a choice. Like I'm here to support you in your higher growth, but if you don't want to, that's okay. And that like, you could choose that. And ultimately just letting them know is like, where do you think that would take you? And naturally be like, yeah, nowhere or nowhere I really want to go. So it helps them kind of check in with them, their, their own selves of what choice that they want to make in a, in a way of like pointing out the obvious of what would happen if they don't change, what could be, which can be kind of like a challenge to some people. And so that's why I reserve that only for certain times where I feel like it's most guided. But, um, sometimes that could be very, very powerful to empower someone and recognizing that the choice that they're about to make is really not helpful at all for themselves. And it's not about, you know, me as their coach saying, yeah, go into your higher self, make the best choice rather than me saying, which is quite the opposite of what most people expect from a coach. It's like, no, you could stay there. Go for it. Like <laughs> it's, it's all up to you. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important making it seem like it's their decision ultimately. It is. Cause it is. So hundred percent, like not feeling any pressure from the coach. It's like, all right, like, you know, you have options. These are your choices. So like yes. whatever you decide is ultimately going to be up to you. It's exactly. kind of like, like placing it back on them so that they feel like they have the responsibility, which they do. Yeah. It's not even feel like they have the responsibilities yeah. to recognize the responsibility that is theirs always. So, but like I said, just to clarify, I, or just to really highlight it is I only say that in certain times. Because what Heather, the other point that you brought up is really, really important and powerful is the need sometimes for rest. It's not always about go, 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 always being in the higher self. Like there's a, there's a rhythm that happens or it's this dance that we play that I don't think it's meant to be any other way. Because uh, if we're always in the higher self, then it's like, I don't know, it could actually even get boring in a way. It's like that we are, uh, the, the mundaneness of always just being on track or always being on Whereas like the hero's journey that we go through in this human experience is really beautiful that we get to know ourselves or know that, that part of us that is more than this challenge or the ego or the subconscious beliefs that, that will rise up, um, is when we have those times where we're not really on track or in alignment. So yeah, it's important to have that kind of rest or that rhythm. And at many times it is, it's perfect. It's actually meant to be where you're having that rest. So Again, I reserve that kind of like language or that kind of uh, point for if I feel like it's right for someone where they're like, it's not time to rest. Actually, like they've had plenty of that. And that's actually more of their, them just playing small, like you said, Heather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, seeing the blind spots um, in, in someone is, is a key component. I think if you're, if you're choosing to work one-on-one -on -one with a coach or a mentor, I mean, that's the main reason why I sign up with someone if I am. Right they have the access to see the blind spots in me that, I, that I'm not able to, to see because I'm just too close to me. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. So I love that, that point that you're bringing up that it's, you're seeing a blind spot that they're not able to um, acknowledge and you're just highlighting it for them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And Heather, would you say that these are the polarities that like, in one of the topics that uh, you had listed in when you uh, speak on podcasts, it's like balancing polarities with our being and our becoming kind of sounds like what we've been talking about. Would you agree? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we just organically kind of leaned into this conversation, which is beautiful. And uh, it's 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 important to understand that both of these parts of ourselves exist within us, and unfortunately, they don't go together. They they don't mix. They're they're kind of not like oil and water, but but in any, it's like um, it's like the heart when it's beating it's outputting energy and when it's in between beats it's resting so it can't do both at the exact same moment and it, the same is true for us we have this part of us that is totally complete we come into this incarnation completely whole nothing to fix nothing to shift nothing to change nothing to grow this is our being and when it's in its shadow this is where we lean into um, the resistance, the the knowings, and our ego, and then there's the becoming part of us, the 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 bigger picture of coming into this incarnated form, so that we can learn and expand and grow, and perhaps take that back into the bigger field of consciousness when we exit this body. So both of these parts of ourselves exist simultaneously. But because they don't go together, we are either subconsciously or consciously choosing in any moment of any day, which part of ourself we want to be playing with, which part of ourself we want to be dancing with. And um, yes, both are valid. And I would stretch that a little bit further and say that most of us aren't taught how to work with the part of us that wants to become. We, we are very heavily conditioned to work with part of us that wants to stay the same right yeah mainly just for safety which is interesting but in a grand scheme of like a, a longer view it's not a lot of safety at all to it like it's actually detrimental to stay in just the the safety or the comfort of like oh just same is same old same old like because we're we're meant to grow here in this existence i mean that's all life that's what life wants for everyone yeah yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And it, if we want to go a little bit further, possibly not all of us are here for the purpose to grow and expand. Some of us are here to hold the energy and anchor it into the earth. And this gives me a lot of compassion and comprehension when I see certain people that in my past, I would almost judge as like, um, dead weight, if you will. These are words that we use about when we talk about people. And now it's more the, the how I perceive this is that there are certain souls that choose to incarnate because the energy of the dimensional realm is so fast. It's so light. It's so um, like, like uh, effervescent that we need energy on the earth to help to anchor that in. Otherwise it just it, it fragments and it floats away really fast. So certain people think of, I think of them as like pillars. They're here to hold the energy. And in my human self, I might judge that as being not doing very much, but in my cosmic self, it's very, it's a very important role that these people mm. play. Yeah. Interesting. But tell me more, cause I'm curious. You don't see that they have, they have a potential to grow. They have a potential, they can come in and they can choose to do that, but they can also choose to stay in, in the anchoring energy. And, and so the, the, either the growth of expansion would be slower or, uh, or they're, they're, they're here to be a pillar and not to grow and the choice is there, but they're, but their choice when they come in is to not to. Hmm. Interesting. And that's totally open for like, take it or leave it. Right yeah totally i can i guess i guess like I'm, I'm just thinking about like i don't really know anyone personally in my life but i'm thinking about it, the way that i interpret that is like someone who like you know is at a certain place in their career and they're happy with how much they make and they're happy with their family and they're really not looking for more like they're like content like that's the way that i interpreted that it's like they do have the ability to continue growing if they want but it's like they've reached this point of like all right like content and happy like i don't know if that's that was my interpretation. Yeah. So if 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 we want to just lean the conversation in this direction, when I go into an Akashic reading with with individuals, there's some individuals that when I do um, an Akashic reading and tap into the frequency of their soul, 
their soul has come in very content. I love that, that languaging, Chris. And they are here to experience contentment in this lifetime. That's why they chose to incarnate. And it gave me so much, this, this one particular individual that I did um, a reading on, she is also someone that I've known for about 15 years. And it just instantly clicked in my human self a total new way of perceiving this individual because we as her peers have been trying to sort of find the way that this individual can can move into their vocation and she has always kind of casually sat back and been like no I'm good like I, I don't need that I don't need that and I'm good and and when I went into her records and saw that this is the essence of her soul is to experience contentment in this lifetime she is living in purpose and on purpose because she's most complete when she's content mm -hmm. and contentment isn't a hard far-reaching thing for her it's very simple being in her garden playing as a caregiver and these are the things that just make life amazing for her and thank god because if we were all the doers it'd be well we already are a lot of a very frantic society but but it would be amplified even more. And then on another note, um, when I've gone into an Akashic reading of someone else, they've had many, many lifetimes of being a warrior in many different um, situations. Like on one side, um, in one lifetime, they're defending women and children. And in other lifetimes, they're, they're, they're burning and um, destroying women and children. And so many different paradoxes of battle and war in multiple lifetimes. And when they came into this lifetime, they're here to experience a lifetime of peace. And so they're constantly looking for peace and calm. So they, they're growing and expanding in the form of adding more peace and contentment into their life. And to the outside eye watching that person, it would look like they don't do very much, right? That's sort of where I'm playing with it. Yeah. Can we take a small step back and just give people who are listening and myself included, like a small crash course on Akashic records. Like, what are they? Like, what do they entail? Cause I don't, I don't really have much backing in it besides just hearing the term before and know that people do readings. But other than that, I don't know anything. Yeah. And it is sort of um, a terminology that uh, went underground for several thousand years and now it's just starting to resurface again. So it's common for a lot of people not to be familiar with, with the Akasha and the Akashic records. So I just want to say that like you're, you're in a, you're in a, a big room with lots of other people when you mention that, Chris. So um, Akasha is a Sanskrit term. It, it interprets into space or spirit. And um, in science, we would refer to this as the quantum field, right? So space is quantum. It's the study of everything. Akasha is essentially the, the study of everything. So if you think of the Akasha, it's almost like this overarching umbrella that encases everything. And then someone's Akashic records would be um, your, your soul has a vibrational imprint. Think of it like your GPS signal, if you will. And your all of your lifetimes, if you're open to it, as well as your thoughts, your deeds, your actions, your behavior, parallel universes, if you want to go that far, other dimensional realms that you might have um, experienced lifetimes in, they all create a vibrational imprint, same as the quantum field. And this is housed in this continuum called your Akashic records. So think of it like, a lot of people think of it like an etheric library. So the library would be the Akasha. And then your soul book, your book of life, this is um, a terminology and a phrase that's that's in a lot of religious texts is the book of life. That would you would be like one of those books on the shelf in the library. So if you think of all the books in the library, a grand library, every single soul has an Akashic record. And so when someone does a reading, you're dialing into like the old school radio station if you remember yeah so it's like you're dialing into the the frequency of that person's soul and when you when you catch it when you get into it there's certain energies that filter the information that comes through so that it makes sense to the person that you're sharing the reading with because if you think of your book 
that contains all of those vibrational imprints, it's a lot, number one, and it can be confusing and it can be quite um, noisy. So when I open someone's records, I'm working with the present moment. So the information that comes in, it's pure information. It only gets interpreted as good or bad when we start to language it in our, and bring it into our denser human form. But essentially the, 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 the energetic frequencies are filtering the information that's coming through so that what I'm sharing with you makes sense. That's kind of the crash course on it. And what I find fun is like, for me, just how I show up and resonate, that to me is the easy way of playing with it. What blows my mind is that there's humans that have taken the Akasha and they formed like in a, when we talk about the cloud and putting something into the cloud, right? On your math book. And then you're pulling something from the cloud from this huge expansive space. You want one specific piece of information. So you're gonna go into the cloud. You're gonna find that piece of information and you're gonna pull it down and you're gonna download that file into your computer. The fact that someone has taken the conscious realm and put it into like a physical, tangible thing that we can play with in our human existence. To me, that's more mind boggling to comprehend and try and understand how the hell someone created that than it is the work that I do. So it just depends on what your background is, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've always had this idea or thought that um, I believe it was presented to me by our mentor, Mary Morrissey, that for everything we have or experience here in the physical realm, especially inventions, there is a spiritual component to it. So what you're speaking of, it sounds like, honestly, like the, the way that say like the cloud or, uh, you know, internet, Wi-Fi, all of this stuff that it's like etheric in its nature, that there is literally data flying around our heads right now that are in the form of pictures, movies, uh, music, all these different things. Then if we just tune into the frequency on our laptop, we can download that file. Like that's just sounds like an equivalent to the Akashic records in a way. Yeah. So the Google would be the Akasha mm. and then your YouTube channel would be your specific Akashic record. That's beautiful. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Super easy to understand or at least make that, you know, connection point. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Indeed. Do you use your, uh, these readings in connection with your coaching as well? Like, do you find like synergies with how to help someone move forward in certain things? Yeah. So if someone, um, comes into an Akashic training with me, so they're like, I want to be connecting. So we can connect with consciousness in many different ways. And, and, and sometimes we want to go into experience peace and calm. We have no pause in our day. So we meditate to experience peace and calm. And some people want to actually be communicating back and forth with the conscious realm. So this is why I teach people how to read the Akashic records. Part one is learning how to read your own records. Part two is learning how to read other people's. And then part three opens up anywhere you want to. If you want to go into planets, your business, your pets, however you want to play. So what I love to do is the best way for me to support someone in how to read the records is that we meet and I do an Akashic reading to identify what someone's clairabilities are because our senses are connected to the human realm, but they're like the bridge between the human realm and the, and the non-physical realm. So some people connect to consciousness through clairvoyant. This is our most common way of thinking about it. Oh, I see pictures and visuals and that's great but we get locked in here and we start to make assumptions that if I'm not clairvoyant, therefore I don't have access to the spiritual realm. And that's just not true. So there's other clairabilities um, that, that are um, predominant in people. One is clairsentient. So those are people that feel and sense. Claircognizance is that inner knowing. Like you, if someone says, hey, do you wanna go take a spontaneous trip this weekend? You'll get an instant yes or no. And that's a claircognizant, okay? Your thought about like rationalizing the, the pros and cons of that decision, that comes in after. It's like it's like a delayed response, but the instant knowing, that's your inner knowing, it's called claircognizance. And then there's clear audio, which is hearing. Some people just hear little whispers like on how to move forward. And where we get confused with this one is we assume that the, the clear audio 
is a different sounding voice than our thought voice. And so that's how oftentimes people will be like, I'm not clear audio. Well, a lot of people are, and it comes in in their thought voice, but because it's their thought voice, they think it's just a random thought that they're having. So sometimes it's loud and people will be like, you know what, I'm just doing this thing. I can't rationally explain it, but I've just got a strong yes and, and a hell yeah, and I'm going to do it. And then there's taste and there's smell as well. Those are um, much more soft. Like I have never met someone whose main way of connecting to consciousness is through smell and taste. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but usually it's like a supportive clarability, not the most dominant clarability. So everyone has these and there's one or two that pop more than the others. And it just depends on whether or not you've, you've nurtured it in this lifetime or you've ignored it. And it's very easy and quick to be able to, to bring it online and to upgrade it when we work with the Akashic records. And then when I work with people one-on-one, -on -one, yes, I'll do, if I'm doing my unlocking you program, this is supporting people with like moving from the periphery to their midline then I work with the Akashic Records to clear out what are the belief systems that aren't working for you? What are the contracts that you have with yourself, with other people? Like I do a lot of cleansing and clearing so that they can get acceleration at, at a faster rate if they're interested in, in wanting to move a little bit quicker. But it's also just great housekeeping just for me to be able to work with someone. It gives me sort of a clean room to come into when we start to work together. And then the Sovereign Leadership Program that I do with the business we're using the Akashic field all the time to bring in ideal clients, to create relationship with your business and seeing your business as its own sovereign, separate entity and not having a codependent relationship with your business. Um, we're using the Akashic field a lot to, to help to augment that portion. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of like practical uses for it, which mm -hmm. is which is great. Um, I wanted to ask a question, kind of backtracking a little bit, but it kind of, it, it, I think it all relates. Um, throughout this podcast, we've talked a lot about this, this uh, importance of getting to know yourself and like knowing like, you know, with the rest and, and that and stuff. And I just wanted to get your opinion or your, your thoughts on the best ways that people can do that. I know we touched on meditation, but if there's any other practical tips that you can give people where it's like, I want to get to know myself better. I don't know where to start. I'm like constantly connected to everything and like things. I'm always doing something like, how do I start? How do I even get to know myself? Like begin. I feel a lot of people don't give themselves permission to dream anymore. So this is a big place where I step in is really helping someone identify what do you want? What do you want for yourself? And when I ask people this question, this is the first question that I'll ask in a clarity call. Um, Oftentimes people get very emotional because very few people ask them that question. They'll get emotional because um, they don't give themselves permission to dream. You know, we have this um, sort of Santa Claus upbringing of we ask for something on Christmas morning and when we don't get what we want, it creates this pattern of why ask for what you want when you don't get it and you just have this disappointment and hurt that follows. And we sort of create this layering effect as we move through our teens and relationships and all the rest of it so the first thing that I do is like okay what do you want because you have to be able to dream and imagine and co-create in order to work in a participatory way with consciousness from your desire I formulate with people um, a sankalpa and a sankalpa is um, sort of a more potent version of intention but you're taking your vision, your dream, and you're formulating it into a present moment statement. And I am is the language of present moment. And you're placing a one word statement on the end of that. So some examples of a present moment I am statement would be, I am worthy. I am capable. I am enough. I am prosperous. And what we're doing is we're allowing this statement to encapsulate the vision. This is where I start every single one of my programs from. Then from there, that's the claiming of the becoming. That's the claiming of the part of you that wants to grow and expand. So what's going to in inevitably come in afterwards for most people is resistance. So then we lean into how do we make resistance our ally rather than our enemy? 
And the one point that I'll just make on this is the degree to which your resistance is presenting itself to you. Think of physics in opposite and equal um, opposition is the opportunity that's available to you. And we get so fixated on the resistance, the resistance, the resistance that we forget to ask, what is the opportunity that my resistance wants me to not look at because it knows when I go in that direction, it's going to fall away. So seeing resistance as your ally, this is how I work with it now. When I feel a strong resistance, it's like, shit, there must be something real good happening around the corner that I just need to put my lens in that direction. Right. And then rest is a key component because anytime we're trying to grow and expand, we do need to have pauses for rest. So I work with people with yoga nidra, which is the, um, the audio um, recording that I have some, a lot of these that are free on YouTube. You just lie down, you listen to the audio recording and it's a form of deep relaxation and rest. Meditation is in there as well, absolutely. And I love rituals. Like how are you creating um, ambience throughout your day that allows you to stay in um, the part of you that wants to be attuned to the best of you. So whether it's like having a photograph on your kitchen counter that reminds you of the, the inspirational person in your life or setting up your work environment to have high vibrational things around you, like your quartz crystal that you mentioned at the beginning, Kevin, or really high quality essential oils that is essentially nature in a bottle and nature has a higher vibration than, than we do. Um, the rituals of, of movement and diet and exercise and, and all of these help to curate this resonance of where we want to be operating from that for most of us, if we're doing this is outside of the majority of population. So in order to get over that pole of the majority, it requires a lot of focus and consistency and working with external and internal agents to help bring that raising of vibration in. Awesome. Beautifully said, Heather. That, yeah. that last part is so important to, to re remember for all of us because there's such a impression from society conditioning from how most people live that it just seems like it's normal, but it is it's not growth filled. It's not really where we're, I believe what we're meant to be doing or who we're meant to be coming in this lifetime. Uh, again, depending on the person that we are, but for many people, I think it's to, to grow and actually get to know themselves more. And the only way that actually does come through is having a lot of this support around ourselves, like a coach, like yourself, or a, a guide like yourself, as well as the things you just mentioned to support that, which it seems crazy on one level, but uh, once you actually get into it, it's like, that's the most normal thing, actually. Yeah. And just look at your background there. Like your wall is covered with symbols and visuals of, of the inspiration that you want to be connected to. It's exactly it's beautiful. So ritual is like just as important as, um, as like we, we, as meditation, like, like meditation, we think is a, this really challenging technique. Well, ritual because it's so like scoffed or, or left behind, um, it also has the same sacredness as mm. meditation uh, when we start to play with it. And it creates a connectivity. That's the other important piece is that it's we're, we're throughout our day, we're constantly being shown how we're disconnected from others and your tools and agencies of, of up level are reminding you of the, the myriad of ways that you're actually connected. So if I'm using a frankincense oil, when I smell that oil, I'm taking the time to give gratitude to the farmers in a completely different part of the planet that are working in the hot, hot sun to get the resonance of the frankincense tree. And then all the different hands that that pass through before I get to hold it, smell it, use it as an up level. And there's just such a deep connectivity and just, um, praise and, and gratitude for, for all the people that do all the different workings around the globe to, to make life better. Right. It's fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. hmm. Sounds like a beautiful way to end too. Although I really would love to have this conversation continue, but we're coming to the end of our time, but um, just to highlight and that, that last part is so amazing that you can have that with anything even simple as like the food that you're going to eat today. Same thing. 
you know, at now, nowadays, like food comes from different, different parts of the States. If you're living in the United States, but different parts of the world often, and it is, is so relatively cheap in a way that we can actually have that in our fridge on our plate. And like the gratitude you can have, it's like really can be a potent, powerful point in a day, like a ritual of like connection. So anyway, that was beautiful. Thank you for sharing Heather. Yeah. Yeah. Happy. I love the the conversation that you both have brought forward. It's, it's neat to go deep quick. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's, it's a testament to you and your work as well. So I appreciate you for being here and holding this space with us and sharing. So uh, if anyone wants to connect with you, like you mentioned a lot, which is brilliant of the work that you do, that you work with clients. So any way, if you'd love to share any way that people can connect with you and we'll include whatever links or whatever ways you share in the description of this episode. Yeah, the if you just want to experience more of me with with no strings attached, um, if you go to my website, which is just my name, heatherivany.com, there's a button there that says join the spiritual reset. And this is um just a seven-day journey that will come into your inbox. And it just gives you um small tips and tricks on how to move from the distraction of the periphery more towards your center. And it just gives you a flavor of, of the different ways that um, that I work with people in those. So it's an, you'll get like a sample yoga nidra in there and a sample meditation in there and a sample yoga class in there just to see the different ways that um, that I choose to dance and, and work with consciousness. That's an easy, no strings attached way to hang out. And I also go live uh, once a month on Instagram, which is just my name, Heather underscore Ivany. And each month I have a theme. And I do a, a free guided meditation, which obviously then just stays in my my videos there. So if people just want to experience some meditations with me, that's a neat way to to hang out as well. I'd love to see you there. Awesome. So oh, great. And we'll include those links in the description of this episode, I guess, shared. So awesome. thank you so much for being here, Heather. This is a great conversation. Yeah, it's a pleasure and an honor. And, and I rarely get to speak to not one, but two guys at the same time. So it's just been um, a neat frequency to be in. So I appreciate that. Thanks to both of you. Of course. You're welcome. And that's it for today. So thanks for tuning in. We really hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. So any questions, any comments, connect with us on Instagram personally at Kevin F. Carton or at Chris J. Carton or our podcast Instagram page at Science and Spirituality Podcast. And if you feel guided to, the one thing that we do ask is for you to please rate the podcast and also leave a review. This way we can reach more people and in that way impact more lives. So with that, we'll see you on the next episode.